You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. So, last week was Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after Easter Sunday. 50. Remember that number because it's the number of Jubilee too. In the year of Jubilee, all the captives were set free. All the debt was removed. So 50 is important in scripture and Pentecost Sunday is the 50th day after Easter. And we learned a little bit, we learned a lot actually, about the Holy Spirit. And how on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit came down as tongues of fire over the believers gathered in Jesus' name. But I want you to fast forward to to now, to today. That Holy Spirit is available for all believers right now. And, And just to give you a little perspective, the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power of the Holy Spirit that all believers that we have living in us, that Holy Spirit power. And if you're a born-again believer, again, you have that power living in you, in you right now. And we also learn that the Holy Spirit gives us the power and the ability to live a transformed life. But it's not just about that. A transformed life is not just behavior modification or doing things that you think are right. A transformed life is a better life. It's a free life. And it's only available through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we submit to being led by the Holy Spirit in everything we do, it gives us freedom. It gives us power. And it's a free life. I can't say that enough. It's a free life where we're not bound up by the struggles that all of us face from time to time. I'm not saying, now I'm not saying that we're not going to have struggles. We will have struggles. The Bible's clear about that. In this life, you will have trouble. But what I am saying is that when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, our struggles will not overwhelm us. They won't make us anxious as much. They won't get into our hearts. Let me give you an example. You won't be so quick to go off on your kids when they start acting trifling, when they're acting up, when they won't listen. And we all know any parent in this house knows those children don't listen sometimes. So instead of popping off at them and losing your cool, when you're led by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you have this self-control. You have this peace where instead of popping off and going off or whooping that butt, you'll have the power in you to sit down and have a conversation with them and seek to understand what's going on in them and then to love them and parent them the way Jesus and the way God loves and parents us. That's a power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit we learn about in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will start to manifest in your life as you allow the Spirit to come in and you tap into that Holy Spirit power. Now, let me tell you what the fruit is. Love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is is lost in this world nowadays. People start, don't finish. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Gentleness, self-control. 
That's when I need a lot. I need some self-control. So I have to press into God and the power of the Holy Spirit and say, Jesus, please help me control my mouth, control my attitude, control my face. Sometimes, you know, you make those faces, you can't stop yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to give you some self-control. All right. So I'm going to go so far as to say the Holy Spirit working in you will cause you to see problems differently. It changes your perspective. Now, I'm not saying you're going to love your problems because you won't love. Who loves problems? I don't love problems. I mean, there's some churchy people. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm so happy when I'm having a problem. No, you're not. You're lying. Nobody likes problems. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we see them differently. We see them as opportunities to grow, to live a transformed life. But that's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that happens is because we let the peace of the Holy Spirit come into our hearts and our minds. And, you know, have you, have you ever had somebody in your life where they just seem like they're going through so much drama all the time? There's always something going on. And, and I'm not trying to sound judgy because I've been that drama queen lots of times. I'm saying somebody in your life where they're stressed out all the time and they just seem to be wound up and things bother them all the time. And, and when you get in the room with them, it's like it just sucks the life out of the room. They bring a negative spirit in the room. Well, if you are being led by the power of the Holy Spirit, that won't be you. But we have our part. We have our part in the whole thing. We actually have to live our lives led by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to grow more in our faith so that our lives are pleasing to God. So why is it so important that we live a life that's pleasing to God? Thank you for asking. Let me tell you why. Psalm 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. That's right. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. Have y'all ever had a mango that's not really ripe? You can't eat that. This says it will not yield its fruit or it'll yield its fruit in season. That's a blessing. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Prospers. He don't say the same. He prospers. And all of that that I just read to you comes from living a life that is led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you notice the first word there, blessed. Blessed. I don't know about you, but for me, that's enough right there. But let's keep reading. If you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you will not just be blessed, but you will flourish and you will grow. Growing. It says it right there. It says, a tree planted by streams of water, which means it's getting fed. And I'm going to tell you how to get fed today. It's getting fed, will yield fruit, and it will not wither. If something's producing fruit, it's growing. So what I want to talk about today is how do we tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live a transformed life that is pleasing to God. It's a mouthful. But the first step 
is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that already, you'll have an opportunity at the end of my message to invite Jesus into a relationship, into your heart. But it all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I think about my kids. My kids know, our kids know, that they're going to get an inheritance when we die. One of them in particular is always asking me for stuff. But anyway, no names mentioned. But our kids know that when we die, they have an inheritance. And they know that all they have to do to get it is to maintain a relationship with us. Right? Well, the same thing is true when it comes to the inherited blessings of God. The only thing that we need to have is a relationship with Jesus Christ to maintain, to start with and maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know we all want to live a blessed life, right? Right? Y'all want to live a blessed life? There's nobody saying nothing. Yes. We all want to live a blessed life. And blessings are both intangible, but they're also tangible. Intangible things like peace, joy, love, some of that self-control, a stronger faith. But tangible blessings are part of a blessed life as well. Material things, provision, wealth, stuff, stuff. You know, I'm going to take a minute here. I'm going to pause. And I want to set the record straight here. God is not against us having stuff. Let that sink there for a minute while I take a water break. God is not against us having things. In fact, Scripture is very clear that God wants his children to prosper. And not just prosper, but to have wealth. Deuteronomy 28.11, it says right there, 28, I'm going to find it in my book right here. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. There's a different translation up there, but if you look at the story of Abraham and Lot, think about that story if some of you guys know it Abraham and Lot were so blessed with so much stuff that they had to separate because the town they were living in didn't have enough room for them and all their stuff that's a fact don't believe me go in the, it's in it's in here it's in the book God wants his kids to prosper and you want to know why and this is going to set some people free right here you want to know why God wants his children to prosper because you can't just pray the kingdom forward, you got to pay the kingdom of God forward. Who's going to pay if all the Christians are broke? You think the non-believers care? No. We believers need to have more than enough so that we can pay the kingdom forward. And you know, I know in my life there have been some preachers in the past and maybe in your life too, when they've stood up there in the pulpit or on the platform and they've told you that that having money is evil or that money is the root of all evil. Well, first of all, that's not in the Bible and that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But here's the deal. When they get up there and they preach it wrong, we're looking at them as authority figures as we should, right? And so we're believing what they're saying. We're taking it in. And then we start thinking, wait a minute. If I'm not supposed to have all this stuff, I can't, I, gotta, I can't be showing people what I have. You, you live this life almost with shame because you're prospering. That's not God. 
That's not God at all. And I've heard more than one religious person preach that God expects us to live a life of lack and be okay with it. That's not God's heart at all, y'all. That's not God's heart. I mean, let's look at the free gift of salvation that he already gave us. And you know what? I love that song we were just singing because it says, Sin condiciones, no strings attached. God loves, he gives. And he did it from the start when we were living some kind of crazy life. Can I get an amen on that one? Thank you, because it deserves an amen. He did it while we were far away from him. So God is generous, and it's his heart to give to his children. And not just to give us a little bit to eke out a living. Oh, my God, me some beans and tortillas over here. I'm good. No, he wants us to prosper so that we can bless others. We can pay it forward, sow back into the kingdom of God. Everybody's got a light bill. The church's got a light bill. He wants to prosper us so that we can sow into others. It's not just for us. It's for paying the kingdom forward. And when you have more than enough, when you're prospering, that's wealth. That right there is the definition of wealth. You have more than enough. Now, now let me set some other things straight. I'm not sitting up here, standing up here, preaching some prosperity gospel. Don't hear that. It's not about that. But what I am saying, and hear me on this, y'all, what I am saying is that God gets no glory when his children are broke, living less than, in lack and poverty. And that's not his desire. That's not his desire. And I hope this clarifies what it is to have a blessed life. I hope this shuts the mouth of religion that says we need to be poor and be okay with being that way, because that's not God. That's not his heart. So how do we tap into the Holy Spirit power? Let me just get back. How do we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live a transformed life? How do we do that? Well, first, like I said, it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ that's called trust in God. Trust in Jesus is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did. So we trust in God, and we only need just a little bit of faith to do that. Scripture says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's tiny. I don't know if y'all have ever seen one, but it's tiny, tiny. It's like a dot of a pen. Just a little bit of faith. And that faith enables the Holy Spirit power, enables us to believe the Holy Spirit power is ours. And it's there to help us walk out a transformed life. So, in order to help you remember how do we tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit, I have this little acronym. It's G-R-O-W, grow. And if you're taking notes, the G stands for go. Go to God daily in prayer. John 15:7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The key is abide in God. And abiding means simply to remain stable, which is steady, steady Eddie, remain stable and fixed in a state of being. So John is telling us that the key to receiving from God is to abide in him, to keep our eyes, our minds, to keep our hearts fixed on God. With our hearts and minds fixed on Jesus, we begin to see things through the eyes of God. 
loving eyes through a beautiful, loving, generous God. We see things differently when we stay focused on him. And we will then receive all that God has for us because he wants to give it to us. It is really that simple. Abiding in Jesus. Hearts, minds fixed on him. And you know, it's like I said earlier, my kids know that my heart towards them is to give them. All they have to do is stay in a relationship with me and everything I have is theirs. They don't have to be perfect because Lord knows none of us are. They don't have to be perfect. We fight, we squabble. In the Stephen house, we have some issues. We have intense fellowship sometimes. But my kids know I love them, I forgive them. They forgive me, thank God they forgive me. And they just remain in a relationship with me and everything I have, they will inherit it. Well, you know what? It's the exact same way with God our Father. You inherit from a father, right? Most of the time from a parent. We inherit from God his blessings when we stay in relationship with him. Now, the second way we tap into the power of God is by reading our Bible daily. Go to God daily in prayer. Just talk to him. Just talk to God daily. doesn't have to be some beautiful, eloquent words. Just talk to your heavenly father. And then the second way is you read the Bible daily. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So one of the things that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit is our ability to understand what we read in the Bible. It's almost like a circle. You read, you understand. If you don't read, you don't understand. Sometimes you read and you don't understand. But as you continue to read daily and make it a habit, then you start to understand because the Holy Spirit shows you what you're reading. You know, we all need a Bible. I'm telling you, I do not leave home without this in some form or the other, but I prefer paper. I don't know if that's old school or if I just like to read things. I like to see things. I'm very visual. I like to read the Bible. I like the paper version so I can flip back and forth. And if you don't have a Bible that's translated in a language that like you can really understand, then get one. There's a lot of good translations out there and there's some accurate, really good accurate translations of the Holy Bible in a language you can understand. You know, um, the Message Bible, that's, a, that's the first one that comes to my mind. The Message Bible is very clear. It's a good one for new believers or for anybody who really just wants to know a little bit more. You know, maybe you just want to know a little bit more. It's a great one to start for. It's very clear. It's written in very plain, modern-day English. And the only downside to the message is it doesn't really enumerate the verses. But when you're starting out, who cares? Just, that's an easy way to understand. It's the message. The, um, the amplified version is another one. The amplified version, for me, it's got too many words, but it, it's got a lot of extra descriptive words and adjectives that help amplify. You know, a microphone amplifies what I'm saying. The amplified version of the Bible amplifies with descriptive words what scripture is saying. And now I need to caution you here real quick. There are some newer versions out there that they have taken out all the masculine and feminine pronouns to make the Bible more politically correct. Starting with that, let's just start with that. 
making the Bible more politically correct. I'm sorry, that book's been around a long time. It don't need to be politically correct. It is the word, it is the truth. It is the way, the life, it's everything. This scripture don't need nobody making it politically correct. I'm gonna get off that now. Deuteronomy chapter four is very clear. It says, don't you add, don't you take away from the Holy scripture. And some of those new versions, when they change those pronouns, it changes the meaning. It will literally change the meaning of a verse. So steer clear of those. And if you're a woman and you got an issue with man and he, get over it, sister. It's okay to say me, she, we, us. But I prefer the ESV. This version is the ESV. That's the English standard version because it stays more closer to the translation from the Greek and the Hebrew into English. Pastor Bob, he likes the older version of the, the new international version. Whatever it is, find a version you can understand and then read the Bible daily. And if you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. That's what Pastor Bob always says, start with the book of John. And you know, as I was preparing this, I said, why, why do we start in the book of John, babe? And he reminded me, you open up John 1, and right out of the chute, it tells you the first five verses in John say who Jesus is. Amen. That Jesus is God. Jesus always has been. He is. He, and this is my favorite part. He is the light in the darkness, and the darkness will not prevail. That's a beautiful place to start. John, the book of John. And it's actually a beautiful description of God's love and provision for us. But for me, when I started reading the Bible, I just read the stories. I thought the stories were kind of cool. There's some crazy stories in scripture, y'all. I mean, they're wild. And I, I thought they were interesting. It kept me engaged. And if, whatever it takes to keep you engaged, start there. But start somewhere, commit to it every single day, and stick with it. And I don't want you to make this another task. Reading the Bible should never be, oh, okay, I got to check this off my list today. No, 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 no. We go to the word because we want to hear from God. We want to grow more into, into who he wants us to be. We want to live a transformed life. So this is not another task. This ain't like going to H-E-B. This is not like picking up the kids from soccer. This is life. So don't look at it as another thing you got to do. But I want to ask you to pick a time that you'll do it. Pick a time. And what I mean by that is pick the same time every day that you'll do it. That way you'll do it. And for me, it's in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee. As soon as I get out of bed, I go straight to the kitchen and I get coffee because my brain is not working. And then I go sit in my chair, he and I, and we start in the morning with coffee. If you don't have time to do that, if you got to get the kids together, got to rush out the door, that's cool. Pick a time that works for you and stick with it. And the other thing, don't put, a, don't put a time limit on how much you need to read the Bible. I'm giving you a lot of don'ts and stuff, but don't hear it negatively. <laughs> don't. Don't put a time limit on it. In other words, if you can only do it 15 minutes, that's cool. Do it 15 minutes, but stick with it. Start. Pick a time of the day you're going to do it. Read for your 15 minutes and then stick with it. When we start a new habit, we have to make a routine of it. It's like exercising, right? You start an exercise routine. You got to stick with it. You got to set a time apart. You got to set a day. You got to you got to decide when you're going to do it, and you got to stick with it. Because the only time we can commit something to a routine is if we are consistent. So it's the same thing with reading the Bible. Be consistent. Pick a time. Pick a place. And then if you're 15 minutes, if it's 10 minutes, that's cool. It's okay. Just pick. And then when you sit down to start reading, the first thing you need to do is pray. Pray to God. Ask him, first of all, push all the distractions back. 
Because as soon as you try to start walking out this word of God, the devil's going to come at you. He's going to give you all kinds of stupid stuff to look at. For me, it's the birds. If I sit in a certain place in that room and I look out the window too much, I'll start looking at the birds. And then I'll get up and go over to the shelf and get my bird thing out. It's, 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 pick something where you're going to be able to read it and then ask God to push back distractions. Ask him to push away the distractions and then ask him to show you what he wants you to understand. Ask him to help you understand it. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us understand. Ask God, Holy Spirit, help me understand what I'm reading. Show me how it applies to my life. Show me what you want to show me. Show me what you want to say to me because God speaks to us through this. His word, he speaks to us through the book. So ask him. And then I recommend just get a notebook, piece of paper, big chief tablet, they still have those, whatever, pencil. Get you some paper that you can write on or a journal if you're fancy. Get you a journal, whatever, and then write down what you think God is talking to you, what you feel like he's saying to you. Or if something pops out on you on the, to you on the page and you don't understand it, write it down and then find somebody, me, Pastor Bob, some of the other people here that you know, Belen, whoever, find somebody you know that loves Jesus and is, is doing their best to walk out that walk. Ask them, what's this mean? Start talking about it, but write it down so you can go back. And if you can't think of anybody, then pray to God and ask him, show me what this means. But when you have a piece of paper and a pencil there, you can actually write it down and then go back to it. There's really no formula. I'm just giving you some, some pointers. There's no formula. Just find the day, find the time, and then stick with it. Psalm 119:105 says this about the Bible, the word of God. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A light, a lamp, they illuminate. They show us the way. So when we read the Bible, we learn the way to live a transformed life. And the Holy Spirit will remind us when we slip up or forget. So that leads me to my third way we can tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's by obeying God moment by moment. First way is G, go. Go to God daily in prayer. Second way, R, read the Bible daily. And the third way is O, obey God moment by moment. Now notice I said moment by moment. So when you start something new, what do you do? You practice, right? You practice to get better at it. So it's the same thing with living a transformed life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to practice it. You got to do it moment by moment. And maybe take a few steps here, fall a few back. Just keep going. Keep going moment by moment. You mess up. You slip up. You say something you're not supposed to say. You pop off whatever. You sin. Because that's what it is. Let's call it what it is. You sin. Repent. That's all you got to do. Repent. Say, God, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, where'd that come from? I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then get right back into obedience with God. It's that simple. Moment by moment. Living a transformed life is a journey. And I'm also going to say it's a lifelong journey. It's not a marathon. And you ain't going to get there till you're the other side with Jesus. Because we are imperfect, fallible human beings that need a savior. So moment by moment, obey God. And you know, if I had to pick the biggest blessing in my life, I would say this. It's when the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. You know, my kids are, they're amazing at telling me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I love my babies, but they love to, there's people in our lives that love to tell us where we slip up. And sometimes I just can't hear it from them. Or I can't even hear it from Pastor Bob. I'm like, you're trying to control me. That's where my mind goes. Okay. And if I'm going to be real, we all struggle with that sometimes. People tell us, well, you know what? Guess what, y'all? We all need somebody in our lives to tell us when we need a tic-tac. 
Okay? So the Holy Spirit, if you don't want to believe nobody else, then you know what? The Holy Spirit will show you. The Holy Spirit is able to convince you. So I want to, I want to give you an example real quick. I'm going to probably go over today. Y'all just get comfortable. I have a friend. She is a pastor. She is my pastor. She's my mentor. She's my friend. And I love this woman dearly. And I remember one morning we're sitting in her kitchen having coffee and we're just talking about, you know, the Bible and life and stuff. And I said something, I don't know what I said, but she just looked at me in a real sweet way. She's from Mississippi, y'all. So she speaks more Southern than I do. And she says, honey, you're being rebellious. And I'm like, what? And I thought to myself, I'm not being, she was telling me that my attitude about something that we were chatting about was rebellious. And I was like, well, she got that wrong. I got scripture to back us up. She got that wrong, right? But you know what? I thought, well, you know, I trust her. I love her. I know she has my good at heart. I know that about her. So I took it to God in prayer, and I prayed about it. And I said, God, is this right? What's going on here? Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit showed me. that. First of all, I didn't want to hear what she said because I had a lot of pride I was dealing with. And I was being rebellious by my attitude. And here's a little freebie the Holy Spirit showed me that was like, I was being rebellious towards her because I saw her as an authority figure in my life. She's my pastor. She's my mentor. So I was being rebellious towards her because I didn't want to hear what she had to say. That's what the Holy Spirit showed me. But then... The Holy Spirit reminded me. And if you remember last week, Pastor Bob said, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it reminds us of things that we might have forgotten that are in the scripture. Ways to obey God, right? Well, the Holy Spirit reminded me that rebellion is the same thing as witchcraft. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. And God hates that. So I want you to hear this. When we're walking in obedience to God... When we obey God, our ears are more inclined to hear from the Holy Spirit, who then brings conviction. Now, you may say, wait a minute, I thought you said you were being disobedient and rebellious. I said that. I was. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. But I also said that I prayed about what my pastor said. My friend, my mentor, I prayed about what she said. And praying is an act of obedience. And I wanted to please God. So I took what she said. I blew it off in the moment. I'm not going to lie. But I took it home and I prayed about it because I want to obey God. I don't want anything in my life that is displeasing to him. I need him to bless me. I need some joy sometimes. I need some peace. I need self-control. And if I am going to be disobedient to God and rebellious or whatever, that's not going to come down on me. Because the power of the Holy Spirit living in us is what brings those things. Those are blessings from God. So I need God in my life. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to convict me of my sin. And here's the thing. I was being rebellious. And the Holy Spirit did convict me. But I prayed and God showed me, you are being, you are being rebellious, but little girl, you're obedient to me. You obeyed me. And you see, God knew my heart. He knew my heart was to obey. And see, that's the key. That's the key to it all. I'll tell you a thousand times from up here, and I hope it gets in your spirit. Just get this in your spirit. God is always, always looking at our hearts. He looks at our hearts before he looks at what we do, whether it's good or bad. He looks at our hearts because you can do some good things, and they are not done in the name of the Lord. 
He looks at our hearts, y'all. Don't let the devil bring you shame and guilt and condemnation. No, no, no. God's looking at our hearts. What are the intentions behind what we do? My intention was to get that sin out of me. And I prayed. And when it's our heart's desire to obey God, we will hear more clearly from the Holy Spirit so that we can tap into that power. So the first way, tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, is to go to God daily in prayer. G. Second way, R. Read the Bible daily. The third way, O, obey God moment by moment. And the fourth way to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit is to worship God. Worship. We had powerful worship here Friday night. Powerful worship. The Holy Spirit was just ushered in in such a thick veil. We had powerful worship this morning. Worship is powerful. Psalm 100, 1 through 5. This is written in, in the book of Psalms. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. The faithful, his faithfulness continues through all generations. Y'all, these powerful, beautiful, worship-filled words were penned, were written by an imperfect man. An imperfect man. This man slept with one of his loyal soldier's wives. His loyal soldier, his friend. He slept with that man's wife. And then he had him killed to cover it up. This is an imperfect man. Yet he could pen these powerful words, these beautiful words, worshiping God. Even though he knew how jacked up he was, and even though he knew how many times he doubted God, or even doubted who God, who God not so much who God was, but his power. King David did that. But you know why worship is so powerful? Because worship reminds us of our position. It reminds us of our position. It reminds us of who God is and who we are in relation to him. King David wrote in Psalm 51 that he knew he was sinful and flawed. He knew it. He said, my sin is ever before me. He admitted in writing that psalm in this holy book for generations to come that we would see that he was just like us. Just like us. Flawed, imperfect, sinful human beings in need of a savior, in need of a holy, loving God. King David had learned who God is through all the trials, the problems, tapping into Jesus, pressing into God. He knew who God was. He knew God to be powerful, loving, beautiful, and merciful. And I believe that revelation came to him through worshiping God. King David wrote most of the book of Psalm in the Bible, and it is filled with worship of God. And when we consistently worship God the way King David did, with humility, humbling ourselves before a mighty God, acknowledging our brokenness, stop hiding it, just acknowledge it, 
People been telling you, just see it, acknowledge it, admit our mistakes. When we worship God in the good and the bad, we will learn who God really is. Remember, focusing and abiding in him transforms our hearts. It lets us see him and see things through his eyes. It will let us know who he is, and the more we know someone, the more we're able to trust them. The more we know God, the more we'll be able to trust him. And when we know him more, our faith grows as well. Our faith grows. And as that happens, then we'll be able to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit because we believe. In Mark 9.23, I love this verse, Jesus said, all things are possible for the one who believes. Let me ask you, are you the one who believes? What are you believing for? Do you believe that God has healing in his hands? Do you believe, are you the one who believes that God's going to provide for you? Do you believe that God's going to protect you? Are you the one who's believing for a healing, for financial provision? Are you addicted and you're believing that God's going to set you free? Are you the one who believes for freedom? Are you the one who's believing for joy and peace? Maybe, maybe the life's been hard. Maybe life's given you a lot of knockdowns and you've been discouraged. You've been sad. Discouragement falls on all of us, but we don't have to let it stay there because God, belief in God will, will allow us to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and know that God brings peace. God brings encouragement and joy. Do you need a real friend? I'm not talking about those other friends. I'm talking about a real friend, one you can trust. All of those things are available for the one who believes. They're available for you, should you believe. And you know what? They're just a prayer away. One simple prayer away. A heartfelt prayer cry out to God just like King David did when he said God search me search my heart search my anxious thoughts you know those crazy thoughts that run around in your mind what ifs what it could have should have what's going to happen search my anxious thoughts and know all my worries and make sure that I'm going the right way and lead me on the path that has always been right King David humbly submitted himself to God in praying that powerful prayer. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I'm worried, God. I'm afraid. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I keep trying and I can't change. I want to be free, Lord. If that's you, let me tell you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to set you free to clear your mind, to break those chains of bondage, addiction, pride, whatever it is. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because only the power of the Holy Spirit can transform a broken life. 
only the power of the Holy Spirit can change an angry, bitter, resentful heart. Only the power of the Holy Spirit. You need some peace and joy? That power is available here today for you, the one who believes. And it's a free gift from a loving God who's crazy about you. He thought about you before you even put the foundations of this earth together. He's crazy about you. He knew you'd be here right now today in this moment. The one who believes. And the power of the Holy Spirit is a free gift for those who are willing to say, I believe. I believe. And if you're ready now to surrender all your best efforts, all your plans, your schemes, your trying, your fight. If you're ready to just surrender the fight and give up, that's not a place of weakness. That's a place of power. That's a place of power. Surrender it. Drop it. Drop it at the feet of Jesus and let the power of the Holy Spirit envelop you and allow you to overcome those things, those battles. Fear, worry, anxiety, depression, bondage. If you're ready to let that go, starts with a simple prayer. And maybe you've already asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you have. Remember I said at the beginning, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and set us free is available when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you already have a relationship, but you see, man, God, I've, I've walked away a little bit. I got a little off. I've strayed. I need you to come back and wash me clean. If that's you, one simple prayer for the one who believes. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart and wholeheartedly committed your life to him, one simple prayer and you will have that resurrection, life-transforming, powerful, powerful power of the Holy Spirit living in you to help you walk out this life. It's available for the one who believes. If that's you, all you have to do is pray this simple prayer after me. And for those of you who are already believers, if you'll just in support, pray this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.